Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. So good evening and welcome. Just fantastic to be together for the final of our series. Uh, it's been a wonderful series over the past few days. We've shared with Ellen and uh, Helen have shared with us. And uh, we've entitled this series, as you know, Restoration, uh, A Journey to Healing and Wholeness. And uh, it's just gone so well. There's been a number of sessions that have been specifically designed uh, for particular purposes, for particular age groups that have gone really well for genders and for positions of leadership. But tonight uh, has also a particular focus, and it's for everybody. So tonight is the idea is for everyone, whether you're married, uh, whether you are single, whether you're families, uh, no matter your age or your occupation. And so it's for everyone, really, who's desiring to build relationships that last. That whole subject of relationships is a big one. It's a cry of our hearts, really. We're made for relationship. That's in our DNA. That's who we are. And, of course, we, we love good and healthy relationships. That's life in the end. So what a wonderful subject that really pinpoints on that kind of central theme, which is a great way for us to finish the series. So Helen and Ellen are going to look at 10 building blocks uh, for relationships that last uh, based on the Ten Commandments. So it's interesting to see how they've done that. I'm sure that's just fantastic, the spiritual intent of the Ten Commandments. And they relate to every relationship, whether you're building a marriage, whether you're building a marriage to last, or you're building a friendship to last, or families to la- that last, churches that last, or businesses that last, no matter what. And so the format this evening will be, we'll have two parts, two sessions. The first one, 40, 45 minutes, and uh, Alan will be sharing with us. Then we'll break for some tea and coffee, um, and then come back for another session around about 45 minutes with the idea of finishing with some Q&A, and hopefully it'll be either 9pm or just before at that point. So let me introduce, many of you have know Alan and Helen anyway, you've probably attended some of the sessions. There'll be some that haven't, I noticed, but it's just been fantastic to have them, just amazing speakers, very gifted people. But before I introduce them, we need to know that today is their 51st wedding anniversary, tonight, today. It's just fantastic. And they've chosen to be with us for that, which is just also incredible. But they're a living testimony to the idea that, you know, relationships... Uh, can last, and they can last on, particularly a marriage relationship, for a lifetime. And uh, so they've learned a lot from that, which they'll be sharing with us. But I know he'd rather be at the football tonight. He's a, he's a Hawthorne supporter, and the Eagles are playing. He hasn't been to Optus Stadium yet, so that's another sacrifice. Not only is he not going out, but Helen and Alan could be at the football, but they're with us, which is just fantastic. Well, they could be whining and dining, couldn't they? But, uh, but they're with us, which is just fantastic. And they've got a history, an incredible history of experience in pastoral ministry and counselling that they've been sharing with us and they'll again share with us tonight. Alan was appointed senior pastor at a church in Melbourne, uh, just a little bit out of Melbourne, uh, called uh, Mount Evelyn, which was a Church of Christ uh, church many years ago now. And under his leadership, the church grew to be a congregation of around about 2,500 people during his time, which in fact was the largest uh, church of Christ church at that time. And Alan and Helen have both always had this passion for healing and wholeness, for people to be restored and for people to live a life to the full, to the best they can in all that they, in all that they do. And so they developed, um, during the 90s, they established Care Force 
Life's Keys, which is a ministry really that was focusing in on healing and on discipleship and evangelism. And it's now the courses and materials are run in, I think it's over 2,000, probably 2,500 churches and organisations and something like 20 countries around the world in different translations, uh, which is just fantastic. They've authored um, and developed uh, many courses and programs in their passion to help others. Four children, 12 grandchildren. So why don't we just warmly welcome these guys again tonight to this final session. Just fantastic to have them with us. Just brilliant, Alan. And let me just pray before Alan uh, steps up and speaks. Lord, what a great privilege it is tonight to be together in this way and to share this time. Lord, we could be anywhere. Alan and Helen could be anywhere. But Lord, you have arranged and you have ordained that tonight we would be together. And Lord, that you would speak to us. And, Lord, that we would learn from you. Lord, we would receive from you wisdom. Lord, wisdom that you've sown into this man's life and in Helen's life, Lord, that uh, they're sharing with us. So, Lord, we pray for the freshness of your spirit and the truth of what you're saying to sink deeply into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Well, it is a real privilege to be with you. I would like you to just bow your heads for one moment as we pray for Hawthorne. I, I, know, I know you'll all be with me. I, I, I know that it would be a heartfelt response from yourselves. Not. Okay, well, let me tell you a little story. There are three guys working on a building site. There's an Italian, an Irishman and an Australian. 27 floors up. The siren goes for lunch. They get out their lunch boxes, put their feet out over the 27th floor. The Italian opens the lunchbox, he looks inside. He says, oh, no, he says, it's a salami sandwich. I'm sick of the salami sandwich. Every day the salami sandwich. If there's a salami sandwich in here tomorrow, I think I'd jump off the building. Irishman opens his lunchbox. Potato bread, he says. Potato bread. Every day, potato bread. I'm sick of potato bread. If there's potato bread in here tomorrow, I'm jumping off the building. Australian opens his lunchbox. Peanut butter sandwiches, he says. Peanut butter sandwiches. Every day, peanut butter sandwiches. You know what? Peanut butter sandwich in this lunchbox tomorrow, I'm jumping off the building. Next day... Lunchtime, get their boxes, stick their feet out over the 27th floor. Italian opens his lunchbox, salami sandwich. He says, I'm a can't stand it. He jumps off the building. <laughs> That's not funny at all, ma'am. That's, that's tragic. <clears throat> Irishman opens the lunchbox. Potato bread, he says, jumps off the building. Australian opens his lunchbox. Peanut butter sandwiches, he says, jumps off the building. Three of them in one lunchtime. Tragic. Company had to put on a big mass funeral. Hundreds of workers gathered there in the chapel. Up the front, three little widows dressed in black, wiping tears from their eyes. Comes a point in the uh, ceremony when the little Italian uh, turns to the other two and, and makes a confession. She says, if only Luigi tell me he don't like the salami sandwich, I would give him something else. Wipes away the tears. Well, that provokes a confession from the little Irish widow. Oh, she said, if only Paddy had told me he doesn't like potato bread, I would have given him something else and wipes away the tears. 
They both turned to give the little Australian widow an opportunity to join in their confessions. She turns savagely to them and says, Don't you look at me. He cuts his own lunch. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Now, there's a point to that. If you so don't like peanut butter sandwiches, why don't you cut yourself a different lunch? Great question. You could ask many people uh, in this country whose relationships they don't enjoy. Um, Helen and I, unfortunately, regularly counsel people who feel like their marriages have come to an end. Um, It's not uncommon, uh, wherever you are, to find people who don't like their family much or they have broken relationships with their employers or employees or neighbours, extended family. And you say, you know, you cut your own lunch. If you don't like the way your relationships are, why don't you cut yourself a different lunch? And the answer is because, by and large, people just don't know what to do. I don't know how it got like this, and I don't really know what to do to make it any better. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about how to cut a different lunch. Because uh, if you've got relationships that you don't like, then you you need to... uh, Discover some new ways to cut sandwiches. Um, If you love the relationships you've got, it's so valuable to understand the key issues involved in preserving them. And I guess one of my passions is for marriage, partly because I've been married for 51 years today and I'm just so grateful. Um, I've got lots of friends who've just never made it this far and they wish they did I mean financially divorce is the shortcut to poverty for both men and for women and one of the major reasons for female poverty is not just that women don't get paid the same that men but then they rely on men to stick around especially where children are involved and when they don't you can't divide the assets of a family in two and have everybody living the same way they would have if we'd managed to keep this thing together um, I grew up in a home where my father loved my mother and I have never ceased to feel like I have been the recipient of one of the greatest gifts that you could ever receive and that is to, be, to grow up in a stable household. I never heard my father and mother have, have an argument in my whole life. They had a minor disagreement when I was 14 and that's about as bad as it ever got. And as a result, um, I just... Uh, divorce is just unimaginable to me. Helen's probably contemplated it many times. Um, While I've never contemplated divorce, um, murder has got on the agenda on more than one occasion. Uh, And here we are with four kids and 12 grandkids, um, having pastored a church that was split before I got there by the adultery of the previous minister. When you see a church that's split, you realise that's brokenheartedness often for people that they don't always get over. Because you go to church, you, you hope you can trust people, you hope you can trust your pastor, you hope you can trust elders, you hope you can trust your Sunday school teachers. And when trust is broken, that's an abuse that is really damaging to the human heart. We could uh, 
kind of spread this kind of analysis over all of the issues. But we're going to talk tonight about marriage. It's not our main or our only focus. It'll be a significant focus because uh, I think if you can get marriages right, you can fix an awful lot of things. Uh, we're talking about family. We're talking about friendships. We're definitely talking about building churches that last. One of the greatest gifts that God can ever give to a community is a powerful New Testament church. It is a doorway. It's, the, it's Jacob's ladder. It's a place where angels ascend and descend and truth is spoken and life springs out and, and uh, the possibility of having a life that actually works. Church is amazing. You want them to be the kind of things that just prosper and they just grow larger and stronger and better. You never want to see them damaged. We took over a church that had been, took us five years to win the hearts of those people. Uh, but when it was functioning well, our whole community knew that we were there. And the whole issue of business. Um, you want to build a business that lasts? Boy, we, we sure need government that lasts. We've, we've watched the tragedy of governments that just can't make it through a weekend. And nobody is blessed by that. So we're going to talk about relationships that last tonight. What are the big building blocks? Um, the reality is um, Helen and I have had a wonderful journey together and one of the things that's come out of our Life Keys ministry and our relationship uh, is a course on marriage we call Making Marriage Better. And uh, some of what we're going to share tonight kind of comes from that course. But let me underline the principles we're sharing tonight touch every issue where you need relationships to last an extended period of time. You can't build a great church with people who just turn up for a week and then disappear. You can't do it with a leader who turns up for a week and disappear. One of the reasons this is a great church is because your pastor has stayed here long enough to ensure that it is a great church. And you've got a team of people who love each other and are willing to work together as a team long enough to see that happen. Same is true of business. You cannot build a great business with employers and employees that just flow in and out of the door. You, it, you've got to bring a team together and build some values and, and a sense of cooperativeness if you ever want to see something great built. So let's talk about how that can be possible. Um, uh, as Simon said, the reality is, you know, it's woven into our DNA. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants it. The question is, it's how do you get it? Because the reality is that attraction can be dangerous. Um, Sometimes people get hurt so much in relationships they feel it would be better to just be an isolate, you know, just don't have relationships because then you can't get hurt. But we, we know to the core of our being that, that the, what a miserable kind of life that is when a person lives in isolation. Um, we don't always know what the problems are. The, the fact is that there can be uh, developing hostilities that we just don't even know how to describe. We don't know how to cut a different lunch. Fairy tales will never die. And the reason they won't die is because they are an emanation of a cry that is woven into the human heart, and, and this is just one of it. The, the, the hope that one day I will be truly, deeply, and extraordinarily loved. Um, we don't always understand each other in relationships, and that's part of the problem. When he said to her, sweetheart, uh, I'm staying home tonight, and a few of the boys and me, we're going to have a bit of a mess around in the lounge room, uh, she had no idea that that might be the outcome. Um, when he said to her, let's slip into the jacuzzi and have a little bit of fun, that was not what she was imagining. 
When uh, he said to her, sweetheart, uh, you stay in bed and I'll make the breakfast, she had no idea how difficult that could end up being. And yet, for all of those conflicting issues, this is the dream. Um, would it be possible for me to be truly loved and to, to stay that way? Uh, it, it, we're not talking infatuation. We're talking a deep sense of dignity and respect and kindness where you know that other people are willing to live for you and lay down their lives for you. One of the important things to say is that I'm glad that there's lots of men in the room. The reason is that men are the ones that need the most help. Um, there is something about women that leans into collegiate relationship-oriented life that you have to work harder to get to be part of the, the reality uh, and the behaviour of a man. Um, and that's not a sexist statement, it's simply a statement of fact. John Gottman is one of the, the most respected marriage counsellors in the world. This is what he has to say to men. He says, men have the power to make or break a relationship. What men do in a relationship is by a large margin the crucial factor that separates a great relationship from a failed one. This does not mean that a woman doesn't need to do her part, but the data proves that a man's actions are the key variable that determines whether a relationship succeeds or fails, which is ironic since most relationship books are written for women, heart surgery on the wrong patient. Uh, Women are extraordinary creatures in this, te this tendency to lean into relationships. They buy books on it. Often Helen and I, when we're doing this kind of stuff in other people's churches, in this church, everybody seems to turn up. But in, you go to other churches, you put on a parenting seminar, there'll be three times as many women sitting in the room as men. And you've got to ask, well, don't these kids have any parents? And the answer is, yeah. They have, don't, do they have any fathers? Yeah, sure. But the fathers didn't feel like this was really their area of competence, so they didn't come. Um, it's a funny thing, you're sitting at a restaurant and, and there might be eight of you around a table, four men, four women. One woman stands up and says, I'm going to the ladies' room, who wants to come with me? <coughs> Every woman gets up and off they go. If I'm sitting at a table, a man gets up and says, I'm going to the toilet, who wants to come with me? I'm just letting you know I'm not going. It's as simple as that. Um, there's just a tendency for women to not have... You don't have to work so hard with the ladies to help them appreciate what relationship issues are about. But you do have to work hard with men, and one of the, the things I'm so grateful for is that I am a recipient of our own teaching. That Because I talk about this stuff to people all the time, I'm just constantly staring in the mirror at the person who needs the most help for all the things that we're talking about. Uh, let me explain to you, uh, or let me demonstrate to you, I think this is a very funny, it's worth having a few laughs, you're going to come out at late at night if Hawthorne's beating West Coast, everybody should have a laugh if that, that's going to be the case. <laughs> the reality is that as men we often are a little reluctant to put the time in where relationship skills are being developed, so I'm so proud of you for being here. And if there are any drag marks from the car park up to the seat <laughs> where you were sitting, may the Lord have mercy upon your soul. You're here, and I'm so glad that you are. What do you do when you want it to last? Where do you go to get help for the relationships in life? 
One of the interesting things, let's take marriage as an example of relationships. Um, where do you go in the Bible to find a good marriage? You know, one that you could use as a bit of an example for yourself. If we were here talking about leadership, I could show you lots of people we could go. We could have, you know, Moses the leader, Nehemiah the leader, Jesus the leader, Paul the leader. But if relationships are so important, where would we go to find a really good marriage in the Bible? Adam and Eve. Well, that's where all the trouble started. <laughs> well, how about Abraham? He's the father of the faithful. Well, I have never given my wife away to a visiting dignitary, not even once. He did it two times. I wouldn't be going to him for some marriage advice. Well, how about Jacob and his warring four wives? Well, that's a lot of the problems in Israel's history come from the fact that it's a very bad idea to marry a woman and her sister in the same week. That's a bad idea. <laughs> and then add a couple extras to the whole family. You've got problems that lasted pretty much for the next 1,500 years. Well, how about we'll go, we'll go to Jesus? He didn't have a wife. What about Paul? He didn't have one either. Where do you go in the Bible to find a picture of a relationship that lasts? Huh. You're going to be hard-pressed to find one because there isn't one in the Bible. Except unless you go to the last place you would have imagined that you would go to get help with relationships. You go right here to Mount Sinai. Because most people don't understand what the Ten Commandments are. They don't understand what they were. Even Israel didn't understand it very well. You see, the Ten Commandments were never about salvation. Biggest mistake the Jews ever made was that they thought that somehow by keeping the Ten Commandments, that would somehow get them to heaven. They never knew how to do it. But you see, they were never given for salvation. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel, she was already saved. He had saved her by the blood of the Passover lamb and he had extracted her from his enemies by his powerful hand. He brought her to himself. You see, the point of the Ten Commandments was never about salvation. Keep these Ten Commandments and you'll be saved. They were about preservation because when God brought Israel to Mount Sinai, he had a purpose in mind and that was to marry her. The Ten Commandments were God's wedding vows with Israel. This is the kind of a woman that I'm looking for. He said to Moses the night before the Ten Commandments were delivered, go and tell Israel that though I own all the world, you will be my special treasure. And the tragedy was that she never understood that this was the kind of a woman that God was looking for. And the stunning thing is that because you are made in the image of God, it's the kind of person you are looking for. The kind of person, the person you're looking for is looking for. If you're single in the place tonight, if you're single and you're here tonight, and, you're, 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 and one of the things you hope will happen is that you'll find someone who will profoundly love you, you need to realize uh, you, you're going to get some, you need to become the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. And when God drew Israel to himself, he, was, he took her as his bride. And together they would change the world. And the Ten Commandments were never about salvation. This is the kind of a woman that I'm looking for. And don't come down the aisle and say, I do, if you can't embrace these ten values. Because this is where my heart is. And if you want our relationship to last, if you want the relationship to last, 
These are the values that will allow that to, to, to be the case. And you say, Al, I don't believe a word of what you just said. That ain't true. Yeah, it is. It's right here in the Bible. I'll show it to you. See, if you want to, you want to realize what was in God's heart, you've got to go to Hosea when he said, go marry a prostitute and you'll understand how I feel. Because, you see, I feel like I married someone who just doesn't know how to remain faithful and true. Come to the book of Jeremiah where the marriage is now failing. Because um, one of the things you really do need to say when it comes to the issue of Christians and divorce, we know the Bible says that God hates divorce. Do you realize that one of the reasons God hates divorce is because he's been through one? That God himself is a divorcee? That he married a nation and said he called himself her husband? And he described her as his bride? And that God himself has been through the tragedy of divorce and he knows how destructive it is. Listen to God's broken heart. It's like um, a broken-hearted husband sitting there looking through a wedding album of the, the pictures of the wedding from years ago. Um, now that the marriage has fallen on hard times and it's at the edge of destruction and with tears running down his face looking at those pictures, he starts asking himself, how did it ever come to this? What was it about me that you just, you just couldn't love? Jeremiah chapter 2. The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and you followed me through the wilderness. Now hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me? that they strayed so far from me. This is the heart of a broken-hearted lover. And in the next chapter, he says, I'm giving you a certificate of divorce and I am sending you away. The Ten Commandments were intended to be the values of preservation. And when you understand the spirit of the Ten Commandments, no, I haven't come here to say all you good Baptist people need to go back under the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, but the law itself is not a curse. The law is wisdom. It comes straight out of the heart of God. It is a revelation of his passion for long-term relationships. These are the foundational principles of what it takes to make things last for a long time. They came out of the heart of God. He knew that um, breaking them was a serious issue. The curse of the law was not keeping them. It wasn't the law itself. The law is wisdom and it's spiritual. And it, if you understand the spirit of it, it is God's desire, the book of Hebrews, to write the law on your heart by his spirit. No longer on tablets of stone, but at that, that our soft and tender hearts could understand the spirit of what it takes to make long-term relationships and allow that to be written upon our heart. So if you understand the Ten Commandments, you're looking there at the ten greatest principles for communities that can build a lasting foundations and lasting lives. Okay, Al, well, well, how does that work? Well, first, it helps to know the Ten Commandments, and one of the reasons I do is that Martin Luther believed that the Christian ought to know three things off by heart. He believed every Christian ought to know the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed. 
And when he built his catechism, he built it around those three things. And I was raised as a Lutheran. And as a result, the, the discipleship that took place in my childhood or my teenage years was my pastor took me through Luther's catechism for, for two years. And out of that came confirmation. Um, most of the Bible verses I, re- I know by heart, I learned during those two years when my brain was still capable of remembering something. <laughs> and so I'm very grateful. And as a result, I know the Ten Commandments. I don't just know the Ten Commandments. I know Luther's explanation for each of them. And it has helped me appreciate that this is, this is, a, this is a, a tender, a spiritual issue. If you get to the spirit of the law, what was the intention? But you won't be able to do that if you don't know them. So let's just quickly run through them. How many people, just by the way, be interesting. Uh, how many of you could stand up now and just recite the Ten Commandments? How many of you know them off by heart? Okay, we have for you a new car. It's a new car. Uh, it's actually her car, and I'll be, be glad to give it to you. Well done. It's an interesting thing that very few people know the Ten Commandments. It's simply something that uh, we've just let go in our discipleship processes. First commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Second commandment, you shall not make for yourself any graven image. Third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Fifth commandment, you shall honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you, that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. These commandments are about long life. Sixth commandment, you shall not kill. Seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Eighth commandment, you shall not steal. Ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Tenth commandment, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his cattle, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And every time I say the tenth commandment, I feel this little glow of satisfaction because I do not believe I have ever coveted an ox in my entire life. Some of the other commandments have been a little bit shaky, I tell you, but uh, I got the ox thing pretty much nailed down. (laughs) When you want it to last, understand the ten key building blocks for permanent relationships. And we'll just deal with one of them before we have some coffee and then we'll come back and Helen and I'll deal with a couple more. We won't be trying to deal with the whole ten. But if you, I, I, I have a sheet I'm happy to make available to you, just that you could say, well, what would I do with the, the, the other commandments? I don't understand what, you know, how would I apply them? Well, that's not that hard. Once you get the idea, you'll begin to think more carefully about the spirit at the back of the written, of the words, you know. It, it, uh, the letter kills, but the spirit at the back of it is full of life. First commandment. God said to Israel, would you like your relationship with me to last? Here's what it will require. As you come down the aisle, I'm asking you to embrace the concept of covenant. Covenantal commitment. It's the same principle that's required to build anything that lasts for a long period of time. You're going to build a great church, you'll need this one. Want to build a great business, you're going to need this one. Um, Scott Morrison has a chance with his new government to build this from this point on. May God grant him the grace to do that because we could use some stable government. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. 
Here's the principle. It's the idea of berit. Now, this is the value of bringing, keeping Old Testament and New Testament together. In the New Testament, you can still you find the idea spelled out, but it's spelled out more fully in the Old Testament. The New Testament is a demonstration of it, and that's why I've put up this grain of wheat. Because here's the New Covenant version of the idea of berit, the Old Testament word for covenant. Except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. How would you like to be alone for the rest of your life? Would you like to be lonely? Would you like to have no long-lasting relationships? Would you like to get the end of your life and discover that you are alone? Well, just make sure you never die. Just make sure you never lay down your life. Except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it's willing to die, it brings forth amazing fruit, and that is the key at the back of the first commandment. It's, it's wrapped up in what happened when Helen and I stood at, a, at an altar uh, 51 years ago. The word berit is the Old Testament word for covenant, and it has three elements attached to it. And the first one is this, a cutting. God said to Abraham, let's have a covenant. First thing he said, I want you to do is I want you to go get some animals. I want you to cut them in half. It starts with cutting. Now, how many people have ever seen a sheep killed? Put your hand up if you've seen a sheep killed. Okay, put your hands down. How many people want to see a sheep killed? Ooh, okay, we'll see if we can arrange it for you, madam. But, um, <laughs> I've seen a, kill, a sheep killed on a couple of occasions because my grandma, my mum was a, a farm girl and as a result we go back to grandfather's farm and every now and then they'd kill a sheep. I want to tell you if you had to kill your own sheep, you would be a vegetarian in a minute because it's a really disturbing thing. When you, if you see, an, you see even an animal's life taken, it's a disturbing thing. God said, you want to have a great relationship? Well, let's start. It starts with a cutting. I want you to cut the animals in half and separate their body parts because in doing so, you, you create a bloody pathway. You create an aisle. It's the same idea as an altar. A funny thing, where do you get married? You get married at the, at the altar. Ha. Well, what happens at the altar? That's what happens. Things die at the altar. And here is one of the reasons why Australia struggles with marriage and long-term relationships today is because nobody wants to die. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. And that's where marriage begins, at an altar. I stood beside this little girl 51 years ago and committed suicide. See, one of the reasons we don't get it is because we do it, we do it all wrong. We, we do weddings all wrong. Um, you come to church, it's going to be a wedding. The place is looking the best you've ever seen. It. Wonderful. Everything's clean and beautiful. The, the seats are out. You've got little silk ribbons on every row. And then out comes the groom, looking like you may never see this dude again. Out he comes, looking absolutely amazing. Take a photograph of that. That's what wedding photos are about. Take a photo of that, sweetheart. You may never see this again. <laughs> He comes out, he's standing there. 
and the car pulls up and the girl gets out. They've been working on this girl for hours behind the scenes. She walks in the door and little kids are throwing petals everywhere. Out she comes looking amazing. Take a picture of that, buddy. She may never fit in that dress again. I'm committing suicide again tonight. Just lost one half of the audience. And down the front they come. Now, if you were to ask the average couple today that have never thought through long-term relationships, you say, well, why are you coming here to get married? And they'll say, because we want to be happy. <laughs> well, good Lord, don't do this. I don't know, no. No, 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 don't do, don't do this. No. If that's your dream, if, that, if, if that's your big plan, don't, don't get married. Ah, uh-huh. go to Disneyland. That's what you want to do. That's, you want to be happy? Go to Disneyland. Because marriage is something way bigger than happiness. It's destiny. I had no idea when I stood beside this little 19-year-old girl And I was 20, and I said to her, forsaking all others and cleaving only unto you. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, till death us do part. I took a knife and I ran it through my singleness. I put my singleness to death. Women wept all over the world on that day. That is the wrong time to laugh. <laughs> I was only 20 years old, but I, I understood that this was the end of a, end of a life, the end of one life, and that, and that I was laying stuff down. She was doing exactly the same thing. Because this is where all true covenant begins, with the awareness that I'm, I am laying my life down for this. This is not just an attempt to be happy. This is an embracing of a destiny. And I had no idea what would come out of our 51 year. I had no idea of the, what our children would be like, what our grandchildren would be like. I had no idea of the church that would spring out of our relationship. I had no idea of what would happen in India. I had no idea about life keys, but God did. And on that, on that day, his challenge to us, are you willing to fall into the ground and die for this woman? And... and Sweetheart, are you willing to die for this man? Are you willing to lay it down for this purpose? Because if you will, um, you'll bring forth a lot of fruit. A lot of something marvellous can come out. Something that you can never get in any other way will come out of this. It all begins with people who know how to die. See, I plead with single people, never marry a man who can't say I'm sorry. Never marry a man who cannot... Be happy unless he's getting his own way. Don't do that. If you don't marry someone who hasn't demonstrated the capacity to die, because not getting your own way feels like dying. Getting, having to say you're sorry and having to humble yourself feels like dying. And if if, if that's not in you, you can't make relationships that last. It all begins with the first commandment. God said, "I want you to." Lay down your options. Burn your bridges. I want a covenantal relationship. It begins with the cutting. But then it, 
It is then carried forward by the second issue in a berit, and that is the binding. The binding, the, the words, the promises. Don't marry someone, girls, guys, don't marry someone who has not demonstrated their capacity to fulfil their word, whether they like it or not. One of the marks of a righteous human being is that they swear to their own hurt and don't change. They don't leave just because it's not fun anymore. They don't give up because there's sacrifice involved. They're, they're in this for, the, for, the, for life or death, I'm here. Till death us do part. God said, that's the kind of woman I'm looking for. I'm looking for a woman who could come to me and burn all of her bridges and say, I lay it all down and I'm all yours. And that's what Helen and I did those years ago. And any time that there was a challenge to our relationship, we simply looked at one another and said, we're not going anywhere. This is, this is our, our future is right here. To bind yourself and be able to keep your word, make a promise and live it out. And out of that, there comes the third part of a covenant, and that is to eat and eating. The wonderful thing about marriage is that it is the triumph of intimacy over perfection. See, one of the resources that I bring with me um, whenever I talk on this is a, it's a session I do called When You Think You Married the Wrong Person. Now, no one here needs this, but you may have a friend who does. <laughs> and as a result, it's sold in a brown paper bag because <laughs> you don't want anyone to see that you bought that because then you'd have to explain yourself. But do you know that about 50% of all couples within the first year of marriage believe they've made the biggest mistake of their life? Not because they've married the wrong person, because they're running into the reality of covenantal relationships. You didn't marry perfections. People ask me, "Did you? is Helen your perfect match? Well, give me a break. How would you find a perfect match for this? I'm a broken man, she's a broken woman, just looks a lot better than I do. You put two broken people together, what have you got? Perfection? No. You've got intimacy. You've got a chance for intimacy. And in order to have a shot at intimacy, you've got to be prepared to put your dream of perfection on the altar and run a knife through it. I didn't marry perfection. I didn't marry my perfect match because I don't have one. Except for Jesus. Except for Jesus. He's been willing to run the knife through perfection and it's why amazing grace exists because he can make a covenantal commitment to an imperfect person and never walk away. And he says, that's the kind of woman I'm looking for. That's the kind of man I'm looking for. And you know what? If, if, if you can take the first commandment, if you can embrace the spirit of the first commandment, you can build a great church with people who know how to die, who know how to sacrifice, who know how to lay down themselves as number one and say to Jesus, how would you like to use me? They say, oh, I, I, told the, I told the Lord, use me, use me, and I feel so used. <laughs> Wonderful. We're going to stop because at some point you have to you know, stop on a commandment. And I just want to say this to you. Here's the first of the greatest building blocks. You want to build a great business? You've got to find people in your team 
who are willing to lay down themselves. If you've got a team and one person has to be right all the time, that team will fragment and fall apart. If you've got a team where one or two people on that team have to, be, have, to have their way, it's got to be my way or the highway, it will it'll collapse on itself. But if you've got people who can yield to one another, people who can listen with a, with a heart, with a passion, and care about the dignity and the life of those who are around them, who are willing to lay down their will in order to see a greater will fulfilled, you can build a great church with people like that. You can build a great business with people like that. You can build a great government with people who it's not all about me and my way and me number one. Um, I've got to be the prize pig and everything. If, If you can find people who are willing to die for a greater vision, with those people you can change the world. You can find friends like that. They don't walk out the door just because you're imperfect. They don't walk out the door because it's not fun for the moment. And by the grace of God, here is the first great building block. Jesus demonstrated it in spades when he said, Greater love hath this than no man than he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did it for his enemies. He laid his life down for his enemies knowing that if he would be willing to lay down his life, out of that would come endless fruit. Billions of souls would be one for him. Father, this is my prayer as we just take a break. This first extraordinary building block comes to us straight out of your word. Moses delivered it to Israel. Jesus delivered it to his disciples. Except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die. I pray for those who are not married yet in this place that they would have significant expectations, not of perfection, but of a heart. A heart willing to embrace death to create a family that could stand unshakable. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who are here tonight, those who maybe in our hearts fear, maybe I married the wrong person. Maybe that's why I'm not as happy as I wish I was. The word of the Lord would come to you tonight and say, it's not that you married the wrong person, you just haven't heard enough to know how to cut a different lunch. And if you could learn how to cut a different lunch, you could be a lot happier with your lunch times. God says, don't you walk away from a covenantal relationship. You ask God to expand your capacity uh, to embellish that, that it might prosper and spring up and become a well of life, which is his intention for all of us. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Bless us as we take a break and bless us as we seek to understand some more of the commandments that you delivered through him, through Moses. Amen. Thank you. That's boring. I'm sorry. Uh, if, that, if you don't agree with the theology, come and hit me. and Let's have a coffee and do something fun. We're going to go straight to the second commandment. Now, all we can do tonight is uh, introduce you to a, some of the issues involved. We can only touch on a few of them. So we go as far as we can. Second commandment. Second commandment simply says, you shall not make for yourself any graven images. Well, what are you going to do with that? This is probably one of the most interesting and insightful pieces of furniture the world has ever seen. Because this is a picture of the God who created the heavens and the earth. This is a picture of the God who created you. 
God said to Moses, make this ark according to the plan that I give you and put it in the Holy of Holies. And this is where God manifested his glory in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle in Moses' day. It's a picture of the divine nature in a piece of furniture made out of gold. The box is wood covered in gold, picture of Jesus, divinity and humanity, um, inextricably brought together, an extraordinary miracle. Then a golden lid sitting on top of the Ten Commandments, God's a moral God, you're a moral person. That golden lid is called the mercy seat. The Bible says in the New Testament, Christ is our mercy seat. Then two cherubims came up out of that, beaten out of a single piece of gold. The Bible says their faces were toward one another and toward the mercy seat. God is a Trinitarian being. He has existed in intimacy from all eternity. God is a face-to-face intimate person. It's how he does relationship and it's how he created you for relationship to do life face-to-face. And in our brokenness, we tend to run away from face-to-face and find substitutes. God says, you want a relationship with me? Do it face-to-face. I'll give you the New Testament version, the book of Hebrews. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive grace and mercy to help in time of need. Don't send someone in your place. Don't, don't send an intermediary in your place. You come personally and do your relationship face-to-face. This is what the Ark of the Covenant is saying. And the spirit of the, tenth, of the second commandment is learn to bring your relationships face-to-face. Don't send an email. Don't go find yourself a surrogate place to have your exciting, intimate relationships, whether it be your business. Don't go to work and not come home because it's the one place you feel like you are the captain of the universe. Your wife didn't marry a holiday to Fiji in a new car. She married you. Go home. Do your relationship face-to-face with your friends. Do it face-to-face. Uh, one of the most important things about building a great business is how stop trying to do it by email. Uh, use an email to create an appointment and then do your appointment face-to-face. Show up. Uh, and here's the challenge. It, it is not easy to do. It's not easy to do. Yet we were wired for it. Um, and one of the greatest skills you can ever learn is how to do your relationships face-to-face really well The church that figures this out can never stop growing because people are hungry for intimacy. The business that learns how to do this well can never stop growing because people want to be treated with dignity and feel like that they're valued. Everybody's looking for this. Bids for emotional connection. Happens when they come to church. It happens when they go into a stop, into a shop or a store. It happens when people form a marriage and a family. Kids are looking for it from their parents. Friends are looking for it from one another, and husbands and wives need to learn how to do this really, really well. Now, there's a a bid for emotional connection can come in lots of different ways, and there's kind of three ways you can deal with it. Tell me about the first one, sweetheart. What's the first way in which we can deal for a bid for emotional connection? Well, it's called turning towards. Turning towards. It's really, as you say in that commandment, face to face. Yep. Actually physically turning towards. Notice the bid. Notice yep. that 
something was said, a question was asked, a, a moment is happening here and there's a human being that wants emotional connection. React positively. Uh, a little humour, a bit of affection, interest, a little bit of a touch. Even during a conflict, turn towards. However, we may not behave that way. It's, sometimes it's easier to do this. Explain that to them, sweetheart. Turn away. To turn away. Yeah, to actually ignore or just flip off or not tune in. Not tune in, to take out your iPhone and keep on yeah. looking up stuff. We, we are living in the age of distraction. Yeah. And in the age of distraction, there are so many opportunities for emotional connection, but we turn away because we just don't respond. We act deaf. We maintain a preoccupied stance. Yeah. Turning away feels like rejection. Yeah. feels like that. Uh, it could get even worse, however. You could be so irritated or so put out by the bid for connection that you could... Turn against. And that's really... Uh, could be... Physically, just walking away, or it could it could even mean um, saying nasty things, or having an argument, whatever it is, or you know the high level conflict that can happen. Being critical, yep. sarcastic, hurtful, you rebuff someone. There's no doubt that they're being rebuffed. And the key to the second commandment in every relationship you can imagine, it doesn't matter where you encounter another human being, the key is this word here. It's the word. Attune. Yeah, it's a great word or an acronym. It was developed by Gottman, who does all this research on marriages, and developed is a great way of remembering what it is that we need to do in terms of um, communicating, hearing one another, and understanding. So, so the tell, first one is, tell me about the A, baby. The a What's is the to A? Attend. Oh, pay attention. Pay attention. Put the iPhone down. Stop Put, watching Hawthorne. Oh, baby. <laughs> I want to thank those people who are Frio supporters for their, for their deep and personal interest in, my, in the outcome of this match tonight. I want to thank them for that. Pay attention. Stop the distraction. What's the TT stand for, sweetheart? Turning towards. Turn towards. Physically. Physically. Actually, physically. Actually look yes. at a person. <laughs> now, what does the U stand for? It? What do you want? Now I've turned towards. What are you wanting with the U? I want you to understand. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I really? To, yeah, really unusual, okay. isn't it? Know where I'm coming from. Okay, so I can't just tick the box and look blank. I need to, <laughs> I need to try to yeah, understand. Yeah, you can't have one ear tuned to the Hawthorne play. Okay, and so I'm now I'm, try, I'm looking, I'm, I'm turning to you, paying attention. Yeah. I'm going to try to understand yeah. what's happening here. Uh, what does the N stand for, sweetheart? It's called about the non-defensive listening. In other words, um, I don't want you to leap on me when I start talking. I don't want you to try and fix me. Um, I just want you to hear what I'm saying and not react. Okay. Well, we might have to practice that because I might not know how to do that immediately. <laughs> and what does the E stand for? Um, heart. Um, empathy. Understanding oh, me. Empathy. At the okay. heart. The emotion. You know that thing, emotions. Okay. All right. Now, let's, let's have a little practice of this because mm -hmm. it's one thing to hear the words, it's another to see have how to that sit an exam on this, work. folks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, bids for emotional connection pop up all the time as someone walks through the door to church, as they enter a business, as they walk through the door at home, as they're leaving home, as kids get together around a kitchen table. Everywhere you are, 
there will be little bids for emotional connection as long as you don't miss it. It could, for example, come simply in the form of a question. Hey, Al, um, you look like you're getting ready to go out again tonight. Are you going out? That's a question. Now, Very smart, isn't he? <laughs> I could respond to the question by turning towards. And this is how it might look. Try it again. Hey, um, oh, you look like you're getting ready to go out again tonight. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, um, what time are you going to be home? Ooh, now that's a good question. Now, what's in it for me if I was to get home early tonight? <laughs> A cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> oh, OK. That's even that's possibly worth it. So is he turning towards? <laughs> we won't go there, will we? You turn towards. Yeah. Um, pay attention. Yeah. Try and understand what's this about. Let there be a little bit of humour. And in that moment, there's a sense that we disconnected. With. But it could go quite differently. Mm. Al, um, look. Are you going out again tonight? You look like you're on the way out the door again. Um, hey, Al? Yeah. Al? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, what time are you going to be home? Well, yeah, so, so, there'll be some time. Yeah, yeah I know, but I, I need to know because I, I I, I, well, I'm not sure whether I should stay up and wait uh, for you. Or... A, no problem. It's okay. It'll be cool. I'll check you later. Okay. There we go. That's a... Turning away. No, I wasn't abusive. I wasn't angry. But that was response number two. He was distracted. It was turning away. I never paid attention. I don't even care that there's a question here. But it could get worse than that. Mm. It could be response number three. Hey, um, you look like you're getting ready to go out yeah, tonight. Yeah, I am. You, on your way out the door. Yeah, I am. Al, um, did you hear what I said? Yeah. You want um, to, yeah. I just want to know what time you're going to be home. I, um, what are you, my secretary now? What, 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 I got to check in and check out or something? Yeah, I do, but I just wanted to know... What is I, your problem? I just, I'm important. I, I, wanted, <laughs> I have things to do. Yeah, I will I, go. I will save the world. I shall return. I mean, what do I want from me, woman? Oh, I just want an answer. But, what well, time are you going to be home? See, this is not going well. <laughs> and it happens all too frequently. It can happen in all kinds of contexts that... Um, I'm irritated, and, and, and out of it's coming some anger, and, some, and I could even get worse. Could get criti- there could be criticism, and by the time I leave, I've wounded a heart, uh, simply because I refuse to, to attune. Um, it could come, however, as a result of a complaint. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, Al? Yes. You, hey, Al, you always seem to be watching football. Um, do you think you could spend some time with oh, me? sweetheart. Yeah. I'd really love to spend some time. I'd like to... Hey, sweetheart, what do you mean? What do you mean? Always. I'm not always yeah, watching you, football. Every t- well, you seem to be at the really? moment. You feel yeah. that way? You probably don't realise how much time you're spending watching football. It's Hawthorne, sweetheart. I know it's Hawthorne, sweetheart. <laughs> it's the last quarter, sweetheart. I know. <laughs> do you want to okay. sit here and watch it well, with maybe me? Maybe we could talk about it later. Uh, yeah. You'll love it. I know. Okay, turning towards. Now, now, we don't know how this will turn out yet. Does anyone have the score, by the way? <laughs> We doing no, we doing okay? We're going good, are we? Yeah, you just you just hang in there, yeah, brother. And don't in get there. distracted, Alan. Thank you very much. <laughs> See, even though that was a complaint coming my way, you stop, you pay attention, you turn towards, 
And rather than non-defensing, that's the end, uh, non-defensive listening. So pay attention. What's what's at the back of this? What does she need from me? But it doesn't have to go that way. It could be response number two. Oh, yeah. Hey, Al. Al, you... Yes! Al, your voice is... Shh, shh, shh. No, no, just sit for me. But I wanted to talk to you. Sit for a minute. Sit down. Yes! See, um, I'm not being abusive, I just don't want to listen. I, I, I just don't want to be interrupted. Interpretation. But it could get worse than that. It could be response number three. Turn against. Oh, yes. I just wanted to talk to you about... You always seem to be watching football. What is because, wrong with you? Well, I just wanted to let you know that I'm here and I... I work hard, you know. I know you do. And it's Hawthorne. It's the final day. Yeah, but Blip. I, I'd like, to spend some, I'd like to spend some time with you. Let's have this discussion another time and more appropriate time. Oh, what the, give me we've, a we've break. We've had it before. So this is now becoming a wounding experience. It's not turning towards. This is now turning against and turning this into a wounding experience. Mm. It, it, it could be um, a request. I am so excited about this Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, we've got this great party happening. Fantastic. It's really awesome. I love Are it too. Are you looking forward to oh, it? I'm excited. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. Yeah. Um, look, uh, I've got some people coming around to help get the thing going. Fantastic. Yeah. I love organisation. I, know. I just and, and love And look, it. they're great people. They but are. But look, I just need you to stay home from golf that day because I need you to do some things. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh, uh, why me? Well, <laughs> well, because there are things that only you can do. What about your mother? Well, <laughs> I'm afraid she's long gone, Al. Oh, I forgot that for a minute. Does it have to be me? Mm-hmm. Oh, sweetheart. Mm. I, I work hard, you know. I know you do. And, and now now I, you're being a sook. <laughs> Well, this is, a, this is a tough moment, but it's face-to-face and there's no abuse. We're listening, we're trying to work this out and eventually she'll find someone else to do that job. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, or it, just, it could be response number two. I am so excited about this yeah, party. me too. It's fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, aren't you excited? Absolutely. Oh, Al. Out of my tree. Yeah, Al. I, yeah. Uh, darling, we've got this. Yeah. All these people coming around to help, which is just fantastic. Hey, you're not really listening. I am. Um, I just wanted to I'm, ask. Yeah. I, I don't think you're going to hear me. I am. I'm, just, I'm, I need I'm, you I'm with you on this. I'm no, with you on this yeah, party thing. I know thing. you are, but I need you to stay. <laughs> you little river. Al, I need your help. <laughs> hey. So, I haven't been abusive. I just refuse to stop and listen. But it could get even worse. I am so excited about this party. It's just fantastic. All yeah. these people coming. Brilliant. It's going to be really good. Fantastic. We could some... use a good party. Yeah, I know. We've got a few friends coming around. They're going to help on Saturday. I love organisation. Yeah, I know. I know. But look, um, I know you're playing golf on Saturday. I am. It's important. But yes. look, I really need you to come and stay home and, and help me with things around the house. Oh, as if. Oh, yeah, as... As, as if, sweetheart. Look, I wouldn't ask you, but... I work hard, that... you know. I know. No, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. Don't, but, don't go there. Oh, 
But there's stuff that only you can do. Yeah, well, then it won't be done by me. It's all I can say. Get your mother. What's wrong with your mother? Anyway, this party's for you, you know. Dumb party. (laughs) Turn against and turn that moment into a damaging encounter. It could happen with a comment or an idea. Hey, um, have a look out the window. You know that bit of garden that we've been looking at for ages? Yeah. I've got an idea what we could put there. Really? Yeah, I mean, you've got all your fruit trees at the back, and I think maybe we should put a whole lot of gardenias there because they don't mind when it's a bit dry. What's a gardenia? <laughs> They're <coughs> green bushes with white flowers that oh, smell nice. Sounds, sounds really nice. Yeah, they don't grow too big. They're good. Fantastic. I love How it. How about that? Okay, I'm, 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 I'll vote for okay. it. Okay, well, yeah. I need you to dig some holes. Oh, you need me. <laughs> what about your mother? <laughs> Your mum, your mum loved to garden. If I remember, she used to love to garden. Yeah, okay. But we're 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 connecting on this thing. Turn towards. Pay attention. Try to understand what's involved. A little bit of empathy. Uh, no defensiveness in the process. But it could go quite a different direction. Same deal. Hey, Alan. Look at look, look at the window there. Yeah. Look, you know where all your fruit trees are. Yeah. Um, look, I've got an idea. Oh, you're not listening. Yeah, I'm not, not looking. I'm with, yeah, right. I'm yeah, but looking. look out. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm looking out there. No, you're not looking out there. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> well, what about the idea? Of, you know, we've been talking. Look, <laughs> I don't think I'm getting very far here. Well, you, it's you because know. you won't say what you're trying to say. Well, I'm trying to say. We'll get it out. Yeah, I know, but you said you said to be distracted. You know, the garden we were talking about. Well, yeah, I'm still there. I know, but <laughs> we want to put some flowers out there, and I had an idea. Fair enough. Do it. Oh, don't, aren't you interested? Not a lot, no. Oh, it's not, a lot. I mean, it's just not my thing. Yeah, put put in there whatever you want. I'm, oh, come on. I'm making the argument from me. Aren't you in, oh, you could get, but this could get worse. I mean, this isn't going well, but this mm. could get a lot worse. Hey. Yep. You, you, oh, boy, you're grumpy, aren't you? Oh, oh, you're, not, you're not so hot yourself if it comes oh, come to that. On. Take a look in the mirror every now and then. Oh, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Baptised no, in lemon juice at, or something. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about this garden yeah. and the stuff that needs to be yeah, done. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, and it's a different. You don't seem very nice about it. Well, move it. on. Come on. But I thought, but I thought you loved it. I, well, I All love the fruit trees out there. I love my fruit trees. Yeah, I know you've done a great job putting Thank that you. out there. That's yeah. excellent. But look, I've thought of some idea that we could um, put some gardenias out there in that patch where we've got nothing. And look, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, but I need your help with it. Oh, give me a flipping break. Yeah, yeah I know. I work on. hard, you know. I know you do. And I used to come home and then what, dig a gun. Get your mother to dig the gun. <laughs> You're never interested in anything that I'm interested in. In um, this kind of conversation can happen anywhere at any time with any mm. people. And one of the greatest skills that you ever learn in life is how much people want to be connected mm. with. Um, in fact, if you would ask, if I was to ask Helen as a representative woman, what do you really want from me in a marriage? No, j- just tell me what you would really want from me in a marriage. What do I really want? Yeah. Um, I want somebody who knows me. Yeah. I want somebody who, um, when they say they're going to do something, they actually follow through on it. Okay. Someone so, reliable? Yeah. Okay. So the character thing is really important oh, to okay. me. Okay. What else? Um, I want to be loved. Okay. I want to be cared about. 
And I really, I guess, I need emotional connection. That's okay. really important. Okay. The reality of that is that um, when, we, when I first uh, encountered the Attune idea from the Gottmans and we began to prepare this material, it was when I realised that the problem in the household is not with her, mm. it's with me. Because a woman will have a... Ten- now, this is not universally true, no, but not. it is mostly true <laughs> that women tend to do this. It's how they kind of do conversations and it's how they do relationships. Not universally, but mm. mostly it's how women tend to do stuff. Boys sometimes have to learn this stuff because um, the capacity to stop and deliberately do a moment face-to-face to pay, first of all, to stop the distractions and pay attention. Secondly, to turn towards. Mm. Now to seek to the you, the understand. Not to be defensive or come up with objections or immediately throw negativity into the scene and to ensure that before this little encounter is over that that person feels they were heard and they were valued and what they brought to the table in that moment was valued um this is the second command and sometimes when i share i just i don't want just to fix it you don't want the nail taken out no i just want you to listen that's right you see this kind of stuff can happen in so many ways it can happen a little bid for attention can simply come by touch and um Someone reaches out and they touch you and it, it, it means I want to connect with you. Stop. Turn towards. Uh, try and understand what's this moment about. It could happen with a sigh. <sighs> what, what? There's so many ways to react to a sigh. Oh, sweetheart. What's happening for you? You, you, you could also t- see someone say, well, what's the sighing about? Sigh, sigh, sigh. <laughs> what is your problem? And turn the moment into a damaging encounter. Um, it could happen with just a posture, the way someone is standing. You look, you look tired. Are you okay? Um, it can happen in so many different ways. It can happen in, in millions of ways. Now, when it comes to marriage, just to marriage, this, this is the stats on marriage. When you come to marriages, in 86% of the cases where this is what's happening with the encounters, there you've got a stable marriage. Stable marriages are marked. In fact, people who coach people in marriages will call these the masters of relationship. 86% or more of those little moments are are turned towards. They're done face-to-face. And as a result, there's a building of a sense of connection. It's what makes a church great. If you've got a church full of people who who just encounter each other in the foyer and in the sanctuary and in small groups, and they encounter each other by turning towards... People feel loved in that place. And it's what they're longing for. It's what they're looking for. Um, One of the important issues, of course, is that when it comes to uh, turning away, just being, pretending you don't see someone, pretending you didn't hear, just constantly being um, preoccupied. Well, when it comes to marriage, um, 82% of the non-responsive husbands end up in a divorce court. Only 50% of non-responsive wives end up in a divorce court because their husband didn't even notice because he's quite happy <laughs> they, they didn't say much. That was, there was just less tension because she didn't try to make contact all the time. 
And now we come to the third commandment because when we come to turning against, this is where we really hit danger. And isn't it interesting that this is exactly where the third commandment goes? The second commandment, God says, do your relationship with me face to face. Then he says in the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. In other words, God says you need to know the spirit of long-term relationships that words make or break people's hearts. The third commandment says learn to use words that build, that nurture, that encourage because the way you speak will either build or destroy the relationship you're in. It'll do it with God. One of the great keys to worship is expressing trust in the goodness and the grace of God. Um, God says, you want a great relationship with me that doesn't fail? Then choose your words carefully. You shall not take the name of don't diminish me. Don't, uh, don't uh, destroy our relationship with your words. Now, if, if you take it into the marriage sphere, uh, these are called the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse. 92% of all divorces will have these following things. Number one, sweetheart, is criticism. That's it. I can't see without my glasses. I've got them on, but so small. Criticism. How often does criticism it get into the conversation? It just gets to the heart, doesn't it? Yeah. It really breaks it down. And a tune um, calls for non-defensive mm. listening. Criticism provokes defensiveness. You, you attack me, I'll defend myself. Well, when you defend yourself and you feel like your criticism isn't getting through, the tendency is to up the ante and you go to contempt. You're not just wrong, you're stupid as well. And out of that, you do enough of that and now there'll be a withdrawing and there'll be stonewalling. And now I don't want to talk to you or listen to Mm. you. And it causes an escalation so that every time that you start to have a discussion about something, it starts on a too high a level of um, aggression and so that means that you can't have a discussion that starts with the attune. You You need to blow the whistle, (coughs) stop, walk away, take a break for about 30 minutes and come back and try again. It's really important. And one of the skills that that we can learn is we've got to figure out where do we have a tendency to slip out of relationships that nurture and we start the criticism thing. Where does that happen? The stairwell of communication um, is recognising that there are levels at which we can communicate that are safer. Perhaps the safest of all the levels of communication would be the functional level. Um, Come down in the morning and you're sitting at the table Let's have a little conversation around the mm. breakfast table. Do you want some coffee? Oh, I'll have some coffee, thank you. Uh, what do you want? Do you want eggs or anything like that? Yeah, I wouldn't mind some eggs. What are you going to How are you going to cook them today? Well, what do you want? Do you want poached? Uh, or? Uh, yeah, poached is good. That's yeah. good. Okay, good. You, you got, right. the, got the salt there? Yeah, okay. This is functional conversation. Mm. You normally won't get into any problem with this. You could have this kind of conversation with a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Quite safely. Then comes the, the level of convocation that you could call information around the uh, breakfast table. Well, sweetheart, uh, what are you going to do today? Uh, well, I'm going to go into the office. I've got a few things I need to get done. Um, okay. What about you? Well, I've got uh, a couple of appointments this morning. My hope would be I was going to uh, 
head to the office, get done, maybe play nine holes of golf this afternoon. Wow. Well, I hope it's a nice day for it. Now, that could have been enough information to start a trouble right there. But normally you can get through the information. It's the kind of stuff you'd, uh, you'd tell your diary, this kind of stuff. Um, you may not tell a waiter. You may not tell someone you don't know. But the information level usually can get you keep yourself fairly safe. It's when we hit the issue of opinions that we start to run into trouble. Um, do you mind if I go to golf? Is that okay? Oh, well, I've, it's your choice. Who's it's picking fine. up the kids? Uh, you mean the grandkids? Yeah. Which ones? The grandkids. Whichever kids Luke's you kids? like. I don't care no, who's kids. kids I'll I'll pick up other kids right if ones. you want. Okay. No, it's Luke and Bex. Okay. Well, um, um, look, could, could you do that? Well, I prefer not to. Why not you? Can you not do um, it? Well, look, I've got an appointment with Mary at the office and I've got some things I need to talk to Mary about. Mary? Yeah. But hang on, we, we talked about Mary last week. You told me that she wasn't performing so well and I told you that you ought to sack a woman. Oh, yeah, well, I don't want to do that. Oh, righto, so now we've got a difference of opinion. Once you get to the difference of opinion, um, how you handle a difference of opinion, how you handle it when you begin to see things differently um, is really critical because you have the potential here to break someone's heart. What do you mean you, you, you didn't sack the girl? I gave you good advice last week and I told you, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, she's useless. And, oh, come on. And, and when you don't... When, when you don't Act on that stuff, sweetheart. I mean, because I'm a man. I understand this stuff. Up oh, come here, on. You know? Oh, okay. I, so that's, here, why you're babe, off, I tell you. that's why you're off hitting golf balls and things. What do you mean off hitting golf? What's well, that got to do with that? Well, anything? it just means you think you're really smart. And all you do is hit this little ball around the golf course and <laughs> think you're the ruler of the universe. I mean, you're telling me what to do at the office. Criticism. Hmm. Criticism calls for defensiveness. What do you mean, master of the universe? I play golf because I'm good at it. I'm brilliant, yeah, in fact. Yeah, I know. But I could have you... been a professional if oh, I'd tried hard enough. No, well, well, you think you know everything. Well, this flipping thing with Mary's a pain in the neck, girl. When are you going to act on it? I mean, when you, when you don't act on, on the good advice I give you, 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 you end up becoming stupid yourself. Oh, come on. I've got... Look, I've got to spend some time with her and talk it through. Defensiveness. Now we move to contempt. You get this going for a little bit and now you, you start to crank it up. Look, the fact of the matter is this. Mary's stupid and if you keep, you can, won't sack her, you're going to be, you're stupid oh, as come well. come on. You're stupid. What do you mean I'm stupid? Well, what, 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 what am I stupid about? Oh, playing golf, hitting little golf balls oh, around the golf no, course. I mean, <laughs> that's stupid, isn't it? Who wants to do that? There's nothing stupid about what oh, I do, on. I can tell you that. Well, the but... only stupid thing I ever did was marry you. <laughs> Contempt, and now we're going to now. Now we're moving to Stonewall. Yeah, well, if they think feel that way, we'll just go fix your own problems. Don't don't come running to me when this woman oh, okay. makes you sick. <laughs> <clears throat> These are the elements mm. that will destroy an eldership. Mm. They'll destroy a church. They'll destroy the leadership of a business. They will destroy a government. When this kind of thing begins to happen in a government, um, people no longer trust one another. They won't fight for each other. They won't, um, they won't stand up and defend each other. And, and the normal outcome of this is a divorce at some level, whether it's mm. a friendship, a loss of a business, 
eventually the loss of a marriage. And the key to learning how to handle this stuff is to learn to ask questions. Mm. Um, you'll never get to the place where you want to go in a relationship, and that's you want, you want uh, intimacy, until you get beyond this kind of communication. And in order to do that, you have to learn to ask questions that allow people to share their feelings in a safe place. Well, sweetheart, let me back it off for a minute. Because mm, I've just got to say, um, I, just, I don't understand. Why are you persisting with Mary when everything in my business background would say, sack the girl, get someone more competent? What, what, what? Can you explain that to yeah, me? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. But look... I want to have another talk to Mary and I want to give her an opportunity. I think part of the problem has been me because I think I didn't train her properly because we were so busy at the time. So I want to go back and do a bit more training with her and give her an opportunity. And look, um, if she still can't meet the things that we need done, then it's fine. Um, I'll have to let her go. And I agree with you there, but I just think she, she deserves another opportunity. And the reason for that is, look, when I was going through a really tough time and she's been through a tough time with her family, um, somebody gave me an opportunity. I, I just want to do that. That's really very precious. Well, I have been hard-hearted mm. and I think you're doing a great job. Uh, I hope you. Well, I and, need um, you to understand. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Intimacy comes when... We stop with the attacks and try to understand the feelings that are at the back of other people's decisions and their perspectives. Mm-hmm. When we tone down the, um, the heat and gentleness and kindness and mercy comes into the room, people can now express their feelings. And if they express their feelings, you begin to move towards one another's hearts. And if you keep it up long enough, there's just a chance that you can find intimacy with a friend can find it in church you can find it in a business you can find it in a government and all we've done is the first three commandments and that's where we have to stop tonight we hope you enjoyed this message from mount pleasant baptist church if you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today then you can contact the team at mount pleasant baptist church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 thanks for joining us we look forward to your company again soon god bless